That is the sound of the Norwich City players celebrating promotion to the Premier League. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, where we're going to try and make it as much of a promotion party as we can and try to avoid talking about the 3-1 defeat to Bournemouth as much as we can. Dave Freezer here alongside Paddy Davitt and Connor Southwell to savour a special success, even if it was a little bit strange in the end. We come to you as ever in association with Future Radio 107.8 FM. And Pad, if I come to you first, the combination of results that we thought probably wouldn't happen did happen. So at half past two, everyone was frantically refreshing Twitter, which seemed to be struggling, which must just show how massive the Norwich City support is. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, or it's just struggling full stop. I think our systems were struggling earlier in the day. I had visions of not being able to do anything either on social media or through our content systems, which would have put a tin hat on it, uh, given, obviously, at 2.15, 2.25, Norwich were up. And, um, yeah, I, I must confess, I thought that was probably an unlikely scenario, but uh, the way the cards fell, um, we'll get into it in due course, but obviously... I had to ask Daniel Farker after yeah, the game uh, last night, you know, what was that moment like for those guys, you know, being in the in the middle of it? And they were all based, uh, I think, Park Farm is their pre, pre-match pre hotel base. And, and it was really nice stuff from Daniel that, you know, it was a spontaneous almost players spilling out of rooms and they just wanted to be together, or, or the majority of them anyway, for that last sort of five, ten minutes that, that we were following on our sort of chat group. And I'm sure every other Norwich fan was. Uh, <laughs> And Daniel basically said it was the Swansea-Wickham game, which finished 2-2, but Wickham were 2-0 up and then Swansea got two very late goals and I'm sure we're pushing for a third goal, which would then have obviously, you know, delayed Norwich's promotion. I mean, Daniel basically said that was the most nervous he's been watching any game of football this season, which was probably more of a sign how well Norwich have done that a game that he had no influence on, which was happening hundreds of miles away. Uh, I think he said he had sweaty palms as well, so... uh, (laughs) Yeah, all in all, did paint quite a vivid picture, and then he said, "Yeah, at the moment it was done and dusted was was just joy and euphoria and um, just a sense of relief." I think he said, and uh, you know, they deserve those moments because it's that group, um, that tight knit bond that has carried Norwich to you know quite a remarkable achievement, really. And okay, yeah, we we can't really avoid what happened there after a few hours later at Carrow Road. It didn't quite go to plan but um, you know we're recording here on Sunday morning Um, any Norwich fan who's able to do it go and jump on a a league table now call it up on your phones or your laptop whatever and you'll see brackets P and that P stands for promoted it stands for Premier League Bournemouth don't have that Watford don't have that nor Brentford nor Swansea that's what it's all about and uh, that is the abiding image for me of what was a very surreal day in a surreal season it was a surreal day, and it, in a strange way, I feel like it's made it feel that bit more satisfying. Um, we also put the pod out on YouTube now, so those of you who are watching will be able to see that I've actually busted out an Norwich shirt for, for the day. This is the uh, shirt from 1986, which is the year I was born, so it was uh, bought for me, and uh, it's quite a nice job the club have done of recreating it, so I thought I'd wear that to sort of mark the occasion. But, Connor, how did you how did you find it all? I mean, I still managed to get a bit of an adrenaline pump from it, a bit of excitement from it, because we did the video at 5 o'clock from, from Carroll Road, didn't we, where um, we, we got loads of comments from across social media from around the world of, of how people were enjoying it and celebrating it. And 
I think because of the strange circumstances, there still was a real sort of bubble of, of joy created around what had happened. Yeah, you could you could definitely sense that, couldn't you? I think not not just in Norfolk either, like you say, uh, the, the comments from worldwide pockets of America and and Australia as well. I think we had a comment from so it's all over the place. And yeah, I mean, my my Twitter last night was pretty much yellow and green. That's uh, that's that's as it was. I think everyone with a Norwich association was enjoying it, celebrating it, and that's the way it, it should be. Particularly after I think the year that that everyone's had, um, you, you've got to take the joy that, that is given to you, and, yeah, and football yeah. has has helped provide that. So. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad people were, were able to enjoy it, whether they were in Norfolk, Norwich, elsewhere. Um, obviously, we had a, a few fans down at Carroll Road as well, didn't we? Um, trying to enjoy it as well. So it was, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was surreal. It was frantic at times, but um, I think when we sort of sit down and reflect on it, it's um, it's a really exciting moment for both the club and the position they're in, but also for the for the fans and and, and just providing that little bit of joy that perhaps they've been craving for so long. So, um, yeah, really pleased, particularly given the way the, that that Premier League season ended. I think Norwich fans probably deserve that, um, given what the, what the ordeal they had to go through after Project Restart and not being able to be in in the stadium, which is obviously massive for so many people, not just in terms of watching the football, but for community for some people's mental health is massive. So I'm really pleased that so many people have been able to enjoy this, um, whether that's with uh, a beverage of their choice or just with with family and friends. I think that's um, that's the key. And that's what football is is all about, isn't it? You don't get too many of these moments. So when they do arrive, you have to enjoy them. And, and I'm glad Norwich fans are doing that. Yeah, it was all a little bit different to two years ago, um, but memorable in its own way. Um, I'm going to go for a few tweets in just a, a moment. I saw a, a good little video clip just before we started recording from Gareth Ainsworth. Of course, Wickham, well, they were unlucky not to beat Swansea, but his quote was something like, it's great to see there's another mid-hair length manager in the Premier League <laughs> um, congratulating Norwich and, and, and the part that they sort of played in that. But um, yeah, just a few uh, tweets. Tim Cruel said, Mission back to the Premier League complete, four games to go to finish the season as champions, which of course we'll come on to shortly. If they beat Watford on Tuesday night, six o'clock kickoff at Carrow Road, then they will be champions. They will be lifting the trophy, presumably at Carrow Road on Tuesday night, as it's another game that's on Sky. Uh, Matt Aaron said times two, uh, his second promotion, of course, with the club. Back to the Premier League we go and what a feeling it is. Proud of everyone who's been part of the journey this year. Thank you to everyone. What a feeling. Onel Hernandez, who revealed this tattoo, which we'll have to find out whether it is actually a permanent tattoo or whether it's sort of a, a temporary one of, of the Norwich City crest with uh, 2019 and 2021 underneath it to mark the two promotions. He said, what a great season. I'm grateful to be a part of this incredible team. I'm grateful to be part of a wonderful club with special fans. Moments I'll never forget. Thank you, Norwich City. Uh, and a few from former players as well. I thought this one, uh, no, actually, I'll come back to the one from Huckabee, but Ian Crook uh, said, huge congratulations to all at NCFC on promotion back to the EPL. Looking forward to seeing them back where they belong. And Ben Godfrey, of course, at Everton now. Great to see my old club back in the Premier League. Happy for the lads and the fans. And I thought this one was nice, Pad, uh, from Darren Huckabee, who I think was commentating with Radio Norfolk up on the gantry. He said, let's talk about Grant Hantley being subbed off, refusing to come off, so not to let his teammates down when we were a man short. What a captain and a leader. Hashtag ain't effing leaving. Hashtag rock solid. That was, uh, that was quite the moment from Hantley, wasn't it? Who just said that boss no <laughs> yeah it kind of summed up uh almost Norwich's obduracy all season that they refused to you know 
budge and they're going to be there and can anybody shift them? And obviously to this point, no is the answer. I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, because obviously it's an empty stadium, you can hear the conversations that you wouldn't have heard otherwise. And Tim Krul immediately, basically that incident was over on the far side in front of the Barclay, Adam Smith, who, for me, if Yanoulis is getting sent off, then <laughs> for there not even to be a free kick, for which was a fairly similar <laughs> full-blooded full challenge, two players committed, Hanley got there first um, and ended up getting a whack for his troubles. I think right ankle area, the physio was having a look at. And Tim Krull, as he stood over it, basically shouted over to Alex Tete. The, the subs were sort of warming up in front of the city stand and basically more or less said, you're up, mate. He's not going to pull through this one. So uh, and, and for then, Grant to eventually hobble to the side, walk back towards the dugouts where Alex is stripped, ready for action. The, the change has been made. The, the board's gone up. The fourth official has the electronic board. And it was literally, Hanley, you could hear him shouting at Farker, no gaffer, I'm going back on. So... Um, I don't know who's managing this team, but in that instant, it was certainly the manager deferring to the, the captain. And thank God he did, because that's no reflection on Alex Tete. But um, given you've got young Omabama Daly there as well, if it had been him and Tete as the central defensive pairing, I mean, obviously, it didn't make a huge difference, I guess, in terms of the final result. But uh, just, his, just his influence uh, and his presence. And, you know, we don't need to open up a debate on player of the season, because I think it'll be very hard to see past Demi Buendia. But... In probably any other season, Grant Hanley would be a very compelling case. Just uh, what what an example of a of a player who you know had had achieved things in his career before, but but he's come to Norwich and he's been willing and receptive to taking on new methods and, and a new way, of maybe looking at his game and and is bought into Farker's methods and uh, had his injury setbacks along the way, but now he is. You know, you could arguably say as important as Wendy or Puki, really, in terms of uh, this side and driving them forward. Uh, and that that underlined it. That underlined that he was there. He didn't want to abandon his post, leave his leave his lads in the lurch, uh, and was going to do it, even if it meant he had to sort of hobble back on with one one foot. I mean, thankfully he, he finished the game. So, you know, we'll we'll be speaking to Daniel on Monday afternoon ahead of Watford, um, and you just hope that it isn't a case of the day after the game or two days after, Grant is now feeling, you know, the after effects of that decision and maybe is, is a doubt or is unavailable. Um, but in the in the moment, that did, for me, encapsulate what Norwich have been about this season, that when they've faced adversity, uh, they've gritted their teeth, rolled their sleeves up and uh, and just refused to sort of yield to it. And, uh, and it was great to see. But, uh, yeah, I just feel in terms of, the challenge itself, it was a poor challenge, really. And, and for it, there'd be no punishment afforded, kind of underlined that on this occasion, the script has been written for Norwich very often this season, but on this occasion, it was just the planets aligned against them a little bit. But, uh, you know, as I say, in the in the bigger picture, fairly immaterial, the result last night. Yeah, um, well, the, the celebrations got going eventually. Um, before we get stuck further into the game, uh, we're going to bring you a bit of the post-match audio, a bit of the excitement. Uh, Daniel Farker, Temu Puki and Emi Buendia. And Buendia was quite fun because uh, me and Chris Gorham had just started talking to him. He was two answers in and then the players had all re-emerged from the dressing room and, and started popping the champagne corks and they were wearing their yellow T-shirts that said, we're back. And, and they decided they'd shaken off the defeat after, I guess it would probably... 20 minutes or so by that point and that they were going to go for it for in front of the sky cameras and things like that so emmy ended up trotting away and but he promised he'd be back 
He was true to his word. He did come back. So let's hear from three of the key men. I'm afraid if you're watching on video, we can't bring that to you at this point. But if you're listening on the podcast, we will edit that in here. So, Emmy, 13 goals this season. Just how pleased are you with your con- and 15 assists as well? That's just a great return for you, isn't it? Yeah, of course. It was a, a really good season for me in terms of of goals and assists. And yeah, that's mean I can help the team with uh, with these stats. And yeah, the the main thing is is the yeah to get to get promoted again. And I'm really happy with with these results at the end of the season. The goal tonight as well. Lovely bit of play from Timmy to set you up. Yeah, no, very very good. Also, the the pass from Kenny in the beginning of the of the of the of the play uh, was amazing. And Timo, he's he also he scored a lot of goals, but then yeah. also he, he was the really calm. And then he uh, his pass was amazing and was a bit easy for me to score today. You've said a few times previously how important it is for you to be back in the Premier League. Just how much does this mean to you emotionally to have actually? done it to see yeah it. no it's a, it means a lot it's I, it's the best league in the world and also everyone wants to play in this type of league so for me in personal terms it's, it's amazing to to come back again so uh, hopefully we have a, a very good season next year now here's the big question you're probably expecting there's obviously always a lot of speculation about your future with big clubs and things like that what can you say to Norwich fans about your future how do you sort of see it at the moment I know it's everyone knows I have control here I'm really happy here but <laughs> Anyone knows hope, hope still loves in the in the in the future. I I'm, I always say I'm really pleased with the with this with this club. It means a, a lot for me in my life, so also for my family. So uh, I'm really happy, and we'll see what happens in the future. And congratulations, Emmy. We're really proud of what we have done uh, throughout the season. So. Yeah, great, great season, and now we're finally back in the Premier League. Tami, you personally, how pleased are you to be back in the Premier League? Because you scored nine goals very quickly last year before you had the, the sort of issue with your toe, didn't you? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, that's the best league in the world. I, all of us want to play there, and, and, and me as well. I still, I think, I still have something to prove right. over there. I, I think I did quite all right, but the end of the season was... Uh, was a tough for me and for the team as well. So, so there's some something to, to prove. Yeah. Mostly for myself, that I can do it in that league. I don't, I don't care so much about the <laughs> other opinions. But uh, yeah, the best league in the world. I'm really happy to be back. You won Player of the Month in that first season, didn't you? Uh, first month, sorry. And that shows the attention you get in the Premier League. Compa- the Championship's a great league, but the attention in the Premier League is a whole different deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a different world. Uh, the Premier League, it's, uh, it's the. <laughs> The best league in the world, like I said. So, so it's a, a lot of differences to to this league. So, so that's that's where you wanna wanna play and and test yourself to to get best out of yourself. Great stuff. Congratulations, Tammy. Yeah, of course. The lads were bubbing this, uh, this afternoon when the when the news came in. We were in our normal processes. Uh, we we're training this this morning. We're then in the hotel, and pretty pretty spontaneous. In the last five minutes. Everyone came from from their rooms and came came together and watched the last five minutes. And I have to say, it was um, I think the the last seconds of the Swansea game was probably uh, the game where I was the most nervous during during the whole season. If I'm if I'm honest, my hands were were really sweating. And uh, in the moment when it was confirmed, yeah, it was it was, it was a great moment. Yeah, because like a great relief and a great great joy and, and you feel lot of lots of pride and also great atmosphere together with the lads the lads were buzzing and uh, for that yeah, of course today 
we wanted uh, also to to win this football game in the first moment when you returned back to the dressing room with the loss. You are a bit disappointed, but I have to say no one can take my good mood away tonight. So we are promoted. It's an unbelievable achievement for the club. And, and like I mentioned before, so in the in the last uh, last years. Um, not one team who was relegated was able to be there with direct promotion anyhow. So many, many of the likes like um, Sunderland or Hull are not, not even allowed to play on championship level anymore or struggling on the wrong end of the championship table. And that we were able to bounce back straight away um, with, with such a fantastic season is, is outstanding. And you can't praise the Lets enough for, uh, for this consistency and this performances, especially under this strange circumstances playing in empty stadiums in a shorter period of time and without the summer break and also with the disappointment of relegation uh, last last season so let's uh, were fantastic and they deserve all the praise and um yeah to the, for that uh, they are also allowed tonight uh, to celebrate a bit welcome to the new normal hello and welcome to this series of unfinished with me charles thompson welcome to weird norfolk welcome to this week's edition of the pinkin.com norwich city podcast from true crime to football politics to folklore for more great podcasts from archant head to audioboom.com forward slash channel forward slash archant So, as I said, Connor, um, after the defeat, they <laughs> they they were not sure what to do, were they? But eventually, uh, just sort of out of the corner of my eye while we were doing those interviews, you could see them starting to go for it. And and they really did go for it in the end. Yeah, it was. It, I think the, the surrealness was best summed up by the fact that they're celebrating promotion with Jordan Hugill, beer in one hand, kicking balls over the city stand um, with, with his feet. And that, and that was kind of how it all, all started when, when they were coming out on, onto the pitch. And um, oh, I think it says a lot for his character first and foremost. But yeah, it did take a little while um, once they're on the pitch to really sort of huddle up and see the celebrations. I'm sure people have seen on Sky cameras and various videos with, with the champagne flying and and we are Premier League being chanted and stuff like that. Um, it, it did take a little little while to warm up. And then you had Kenny McLean come on in his pants and Ben Gibson waving his crutches in the air. So um <laughs> so yeah, in, in the end it got it got going fully. Um and, and it was it was nice to see, to be honest, because even though there weren't fans in, it was nice that for the players to have that moment, I think, of of celebration to, to enjoy the season because I think Daniel Farquhar always puts it nicely when he goes, if you can't celebrate these moments, then I think you're probably looking at yourself and going, Well, why am I a footballer? Because the relentlessness and the um and what you have to put aside and the the kind of sacrifices you have to make along the way as well, I think for a lot of these players is is massive. And so they, it's, it's good that they've got that moment to celebrate equally. Um, um, it's hard not to feel a little bit disappointed for some of the young lads, Bali Mumba, uh, Adam Eder as well, who maybe didn't get that experience two years ago and, and maybe didn't get to um, celebrate it with, with supporters in, in the same way. Um, but I'm sure that that when Carrow Road is full again, those players will will get to enjoy the moment hopefully. And uh, and and yeah, it was good to see. It was good to see. And 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 yeah, I'm I'm glad that they did take a moment just to enjoy themselves, even if it, it maybe it was for the cameras. And it would have been interesting to see what happened if if perhaps Sky weren't there. But um, but yeah, they enjoyed themselves. And and certainly uh, from various videos of the changing room and uh, and thereafter. Uh, firstly, I fear there might be some sore heads this morning, but equally, it was good to see that those celebrations continue in the, in the, in the changing room, which of course is, is probably really the only place they could happen given all of the various restrictions and, and all of the various places that are closed. But, um, but yeah, really, really glad. 
that, that we got to see some celebrations and and some signs of of their success being rewarded and celebrated. So, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure it, it lasted long in tonight, particularly where Kenny McLean is um, is concerned. Anyway. Yeah, I wonder if uh, anybody had a mayor's hat for him this time, or a bell, or a, or a bottle of Mad Dog 2020. Of course, is is tipple of choice. Um, but yeah, it, they enjoyed it in the end, and and rightfully so. They they should. You've, uh, as Daniel Farker said, they've got to make the most of these moments, and it has been a. a, a a slog, you know, a bit a difficult season. It's been compacted, you know, the the season started a month later than usual. So it, the schedule has been hectic. You know, it's not even that long since we were talking about all that fuss at Preston on Good Friday, where we when some players were facing two games in 48 hours and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, I'll mention at this point, um, again, that we did the video from Carroll Road at five o'clock on Saturday. So that's on all our social media channels on YouTube. That's a really good watch to get a, a feeling of of the sort of promotion buzz as it was at the time as we started to look ahead to kick off um a few uh, a few tweets we had in um from uh, from city fans steve uh, brinded said uh, he was celebrating sunday afternoon uh oh no sorry sunday afternoon now in perth western australia Headache just about finally gone. Been singing all day after only four hours sleep. So proud of the whole of, of the whole club on the Ball City. We are Premier League. Uh, Rachel McLeod sent us a picture of them setting off fireworks in their back garden. Um, so that looks like good fun. Martin Manning says he's hanging like a fruit bat. So he's, <laughs> he's had his fun. Uh, James Hotchkiss says, I'm wondering how the refs hangover must be. I assume he's had a few before kickoff, but uh, uh, we won't go too deep into that one. But yeah, the fireworks literally bad, weren't they? It scared the crap out of us in the stadium, didn't it? Because an empty stadium, they re it really echoed around, didn't it? Um, a few were were set off outside uh, the stadium, but then we heard them being set off further down the river. So I presume that stewards were chasing them away from the ground. But there was about fifty supporters, weren't there, who sort of gathered. Uh, one point, Delia went out and and sang with them. So. Nothing got too out of hand, certainly nothing like we've seen at, at other clubs. And um, I haven't heard any reports of there being any problems and stuff at pubs, but certainly that they were sort of pretty vibrant and things in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was quite uh, strange because it started in the first half sort of around the back of where the hospital, uh, sorry, the, um, the Holiday Inn is uh, in between the Barclay Inn and the South Stand. And there was probably sounded like one or two voices. Then, as you rightly say, second half, it was like, God knows, dynamite or something. It was a very loud bang. And uh, and then after the game, you know, while endless rounds of post-match media have been conducted inside the stadium and we're privileged to be in there, it it did feel like there was quite, quite a few outside. So it was there was a bit of a crescendo to the celebrations outside. But yeah, w worth reiterating that it did appear to be a fairly small pocket. And, and obviously when there is footage of Delia conducting the orchestra but I mean it was all socially distanced so I don't think there'll be any issues at all there with that one but um, I think the vast majority which is the eternal sadness of the season really will have will have watched from afar and, and probably been in their little socially distanced pods um, and saving it but but yeah just to reiterate what we've already said I did get the sense on the 5pm show on Saturday that you know there was a genuine outpouring that that okay that they can't be together. They can't be 26,000 heading down to Car Road as it would have been for that Bournemouth game. But you did get the sense connecting the dots on social media, particularly that there was still that feeling of you know we can celebrate this. You know we can, albeit remotely, um, 
feel a part of a shared experience and uh you know roll on when we can actually physically do that and uh, you know whether that's towards the end of the, the summer or maybe early part of the new year the, the new season sorry but you know full house at car road will be um irrespective of a the opponent b the result that will be uh that'll be a that'll be a day to say you were there i think in decades to come because it will be such a an emotional occasion for so many reasons but you know it was it was it was good observing from from a distance to feel that the fans felt part of it um even if they can't physically be there but uh yeah i don't think this is a season despite the actual outcome on the pitch that any of us ever want to live through again thankfully yeah, there was a green smoke bomb which float, floated over the city uh, stand at some point, or the smoke did at least. And uh, while the players were celebrating, they were all starting, they tried to boot the ball, on a load of the balls onto the roof of the city stand, didn't they? Hugh, Gil, Max, Aarons, they, they just started messing around, but there was no no lap of honour, as it were. So, um, yeah, interesting. But as you say, um, that day when it finally arrives, that first proper throaty on the ball city, as we said a few times, uh, there's going to be tears uh, around Carrow Road. I think some people will struggle to get the words out when they. It's going to be a, a special occasion. But we've put it off long enough. The actual game, Connor. Um, Norwich started off like a train, didn't they? F- up uh, in the fifth minute, Emmy Buendia with his 13th goal of the season. Lovely bit of play from Team Puki, And they were dominating possession. And frankly, Bournemouth looked like they were chasing shadows, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Just to, just to go back on the last point, it wasn't particularly enjoyable for someone with a, a, a phobia of fireworks, I'll tell you that. But, you know, we got I got through it. I was brave enough. So I, <laughs> I see out the corner of my eye, my girlfriend laughing at me. I won't let her take an opportunity to share a, an anecdote. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep talking. But yeah, Norwich were... <laughs> Norwich were pretty decent um, in, in the opening 15. And, and I think it was hard for in, in, in that scenario to see, particularly 11 v 11, how Norwich would not win that game because I think Bournemouth looked a, a bit shell-shocked, actually, but by what they were faced. Norwich, some really nice, slick, interchanging football. Buendia and Campbell kind of gliding all over the place. And and that was epitomised by the goal, wasn't it? And, and it all, all starts from a wonderful kind of central pass from Campbell that completely opens up the pitch. There's Ollie Skip onto Kenny McLean and then the the famous kind of I always got it described to me as like a banana shaped run that Timo Puki Mays makes in behind the defence to evade the offside trap and and he does so well I think to keep it alive because one of those rare occasions where perhaps his touch doesn't push him into space and push him ahead of a defensive line. Um, he, he had to hold it up and almost wait for runners. And, and that's what Emi Buendia has done so well this season and why he scored so many goals, because he's added that kind of forward thrust to his game, that desire to get onto the end and actually finish chances rather than just create them. And uh, a really uh, outrageous pass really from Timu Puki and, and an excellent finish from, from what less than six yards out to, to just dink it over Begovic really well worked goal. And, from there, it looked like Norwich were in control and it was difficult, particularly given all that we've seen this season, to see Bournemouth getting back in into the game. because And it says a lot maybe about Norwich City's standard this season, with 11 men on the pitch, of course, um, that when they were playing in, in, in that opening period, Bournemouth, as good as they have been in recent games, as informed as they were um, arriving at Carroll Road, couldn't really get anywhere near them. And it's taken a, a controversial red card to kind of tilt the game and from there, Norwich had to had to manage it and, and try and protect their lead and probably at times a little bit guilty of not being able to get out quick enough. And um, I think that's probably why he, t- he turned to, to Placetta on the bench rather than someone like Hugo, just to try and 
progress them forward just to try and give them an outlet and, and, and maybe that didn't necessarily work but yeah in the end three really good goals well two really good goals from Bournemouth actually the first one um, well worked but but you know probably could have been defended a little bit better but we'll we'll let them off given the, the wider circumstances Dan Juma's strike is excellent and um, the third one uh, as as we know was was offside but still a very good strike by Lloyd Kelly so um, yeah disappointing in terms of result but I, I'm not sure too many care about that but I, I do think with 11 v 11 on the pitch it's very hard to see how Norwich City lose that game for me. Yeah, Dan Juma was excellent. I've seen a lot of Norwich fans uh, talking about is he one we could sign if uh, if Bournemouth don't go up. I think you're uh, getting a bit carried away if you think that's possible because you're talking about a 25, 30 million pound player there, aren't you? He's a he's a Dutch international. He's had a fantastic season. He scored a good goal against Norwich, which settled the the game on the south coast as well, didn't he? So uh, while you were talking, I was just having a look, and there's only two other teams who got more red cards in the championship this season than Norwich. And Norwich obviously are not a dirty team or a team that gets stuck into to other teams particularly, are they? So it's kind of mad that they've ended up with four red cards. Um, one of them is your lot, Pad. Uh, Coventry have got five. Uh, and Sheffield Wednesday, seven red cards this season, which is uh, some achievement. Um, but Norwich, one of six teams to be on four. So that's either with that sort of petulant red card in uh, late on against Wickham, which was a silly one, wasn't it? The Buendia two double yellows, which we've talked to death, both go down as naive, really, as much as anything, don't they? And, and probably a little unfortunate. Um, but we, we can't really put it off any longer, Pad. The the talk of, of this one, a straight red in the 18th minute for Dimitris Yanoulis. And I think my view on it is that he's, he's unlucky, he's harsh, but... Uh, it, it's a harsh decision uh, because I, I see it very much as Ben Pearson was the aggressor in the tackle and it was really his fault that he slid in so aggressively that you knew this has ended up standing on his leg and, and it looks bad in freeze frames and slow-mos and things like that. But you knew this just for me, put, there was no power, no weight in it. It wasn't a dangerous challenge or anything. If anything, it, it, he's sort of pulling out of it. But um, we were talking before we started recording, weren't we, that, probably a, an appeal against it seems unlikely, doesn't it? Yeah, your assessment of all of that is spot on. I wouldn't add too much more to it. No, they won't appeal it um, because ultimately it's not a, an error uh, in terms of what the official will have seen, which is, in his view, I'm sure that Yudinoulis uh, is out of control, you know, and that seems to be one of the guiding factors, uh, certainly in these straight red card decisions nowadays. But uh, by the same token, you know, it's fractions really. Ben, ben Pearson has gone sliding in with a lot of force. And if it's Yanoulis who just gets there a fraction earlier than him and gets wiped out, then it's possible that Pearson, if, if that's how the referee viewed Danson and Pearson would would go. Uh, the reaction, again, doesn't help. Um, you know, Pearson uh, looked like he'd been snipered from the back of the south stand. Um, and, and a little bit to draw parallel with when Buendia got sent off against Middlesbrough, you know, for the second yellow card. Was it George Savile as well? Um, and some unsavoury kind of encouragement from Middlesbrough personnel to stay down kind of thing, which again, because we're in an empty stadium, you can hear that. Um, ultimately, the referee, by the time he's rushed over there, he sees, uh, I'm sure, one player in uh, in agony. Um, and and as ultimately, you know, human nature probably dictates that if he was in any doubt at all, he probably feels that maybe Yanoulis uh, is the uh, the aggressor in that. I don't think it was. There was certainly no intent from the lad. Uh, you could see Paul Jester and our photographers. Uh, we've attached them to a few of the stories on the, on the pink and now. Uh, the incredulity on the look of Yanoulis' face and, and the reaction of the Norwich players. 
you, a lot of pundits will tell you go on the reaction of players. And, you know, if those players, you know, felt that, you know, he tried to do him, then then they wouldn't be reacting like that. So clearly, and ultimately, the head coach who was bellowing, uh, you've ruined the game. I mean, it's a joke, I think he said as well, Daniel Farker. So you can see both scenarios because then Woodgate, his counterpart, comes out and says it's clearly a red. You know, he's caught him high on the leg and, and uh, there's no debate. So, you know, that's the eternal two sides of a football game for you. One manager sees it one way, the other the other way. But well, as my only issue, I touched on it before, um, if that's a red card offence, then Adam Swift, what has he done differently? To Grant Hanley, a very similar full-blooded challenge from two players. Hanley's got there a fraction quicker. Not saying there was any intent in Adam Smith other than to win the ball, but he hasn't hasn't won the ball. He's not in control of his body. He's gone launching in. You know, your Grant Hanley doesn't stay down rolling around uh, needing treatment or needing attention if he's not been hurt. So, boy, is that not a red card? It's that lack of consistency which frustrates fans and media alike, really, and uh you know, you'd like, <laughs> I was going to say, obviously, uh, we would have to worry about that because we've got VAR next season. But I think the opposite is true. So uh, get used to it, I think. As Daniel said, I think he is a Premier League referee as well, isn't he? So yeah. maybe, he was yeah. miss, maybe he was missing VAR and having somebody in his ear telling him what the decision should be. But uh, yeah, Daniel did quip afterwards that maybe VAR was already with us because that was the obviously incident we're discussing now. But then there was one or two elements around some of the Bournemouth goals, you know, in terms of the assistant getting overruled by his re- by the referee, which Daniel did say, I think that was for their equaliser, the Surridge goal, Surridge goal, um, that that was the right decision. But it is quite unusual to see a referee over overruling his assistant, whose job it is to, to see that he was offside or not. So, yeah, ultimately, going back to that incident, there'll be no appeal and, and you can see why the official has given it. But just let's have some consistency. But that's, you know, that's the eternal cry, isn't it? Yeah, VAR would have ruled out the third goal for offside, wouldn't it? Uh, Dan Juma was offside when he received it. And yeah, I don't think VAR, VAR would have turned it over that, that red card decision. Just It's a high bar for these things, isn't it? But for for a player to be banned for three games for that challenge is just so ridiculous. But there we go. Let's Let's roll that forward a bit, Connor. And four games remaining. Watford on Tuesday night, of course, is the big one. Win that and they're champions, 93 points. Then they go to QPR, home to Reading and uh, finish away at Barnsley. So who comes in at left back? Um, is it just the obvious one? Is it Javi Kintia? Um, He played at Preston, didn't he? Um, but probably doesn't have a future at the club unless they see this be as one final audition for him or given that Barley Mumba came off the bench and did very well against Swansea at left back um, and you know, hopefully has got a big future at the club as a fullback. Do they give him the opportunity? Or even Jacob Sorensen has obviously played there most of the season. Yes, it's an interesting debate. I I guess uh, on the Quintia point, it may depend on various clauses and stuff that he's got to meet and how far he is off that. Because if there's, I don't know, three games until that triggers a permanent deal and Norwich City don't necessarily want him to to stick around, then that may come into their thinking. Who knows? I think uh, I'm not sure he would be anywhere near that, given the amount of football he's missed in the championship this season. So uh, I would expect him just to, to come in. I think we, we've seen enough from Daniel Farker to suggest that when a player drops out and, you know, Omar Bamadile is, is perhaps the best example of this, that when a player gets injured or suspended, he, he likes a player to play in their natural position. So 
I, I think we'll, we'll see Quintier just for continuity, just for consistency. I don't, he's not a coach that will make two changes um, when he can just make one, for example. So my, my gut feeling is it, it, it will be Quintier unless what I've just stated before, there's there's obviously various clauses and stuff around this this loan deal and, and making that permanent, in which case I think it would probably then be Jakob Sorensen as we saw last night. But from what Daniel Farkas said about him and, and what he has said in recent weeks, it, it, it was always going to be a straight fight for that left-back swap between Inoulis and, and Quintia. So I think we have to take him for his word and expect that there will be the the Spaniard to, to, to fill in. Barley Mumba, uh, I think, is probably, even though he's been on the bench recently, one that they're probably looking at more is from, from a right-back perspective. Um and and then obviously energy and, and stuff on the bench and he's looked very bright every time I've seen him play, but very raw defensively. I think that was shown at Preston when he was caught out. So yeah, a long-winded way of saying for me, I think it'll be Xavi Quintia, um, but hinging on obviously that contractual stuff. Um, and then, yeah, whether there's any more changes to that, I guess, like you said, like we were discussing, depends on Hanley and, and what you do there and whether that will have any impact. Maybe we'll see Sorensen at at centre-back on Tuesday, that wouldn't be completely surprising. So, um, yeah, I, more more uncertainty in that back line as I think we've come uh, accustomed to over the last two years or so with, with a Norwich City side. But, but yeah, hopefully hopefully the same result as we've seen this season. Norwich have, have kind of had obstacles put in their, in, in their way all the way through, haven't they? And they've been able to leap through the, the, the majority of them. So, hopefully that's the case on Tuesday night where I think they are going to have a real fire in their stomachs because... Uh, particularly given the way the game transpired last night, I think they'll be really keen to a clinch the title, but b just show that that performance was was a one off. That it was largely down to the red card, which I think we we all kind of accept it was. And and Daniel Farker will be keen to maintain those standards and to make sure they they don't slip. Um, and and just finally, what I would add on the red card is I, I look forward to to Ben Pierce and uh, picking up his BAFTA um, because some of those, uh, some of those, some of the way he was diving around in, in the first half, I'm thinking particularly in the head, the one with Kenny McLean where he's thrown himself to the floor, holding his face was, um, was pretty embarrassing to be honest, but, but there you go, as is modern football, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably off the Christmas card list of most Norwich fans. Um, let's keep that going forward. I mean, I think Kintyre probably will start against Watford mainly because if not, if you went with Mumba at 19, Omobamadeli at 18, Aaron's at 21, all alongside Hanley against the second best team in the division, probably doesn't quite make sense. You go with someone who's a bit more experienced. But Ismail Assar gave Jacob Sorensen a, a torrid time on Boxing Day and, and he's in good form at the moment. And and Kintir, you know, defending hasn't really been his strength so far, has he? So, I wouldn't be totally surprised if he went with Sorensen again as somebody who can put their foot in a bit more. But whoever it is has got a got a job on their hands. And that's that's a slightly difficult uh, selection decision for Daniel Farker there. So particularly, let's hope that Grant Hanley's ankle is OK, <laughs> that on Monday, um, Daniel's not going to say the adrenaline's worn off and actually Hanley's ankle's uh, not in a good way and, and Tete's got to start. Um, there was a, a few comments in the live blog pad um, saying, right, job's done, promotion's done. Um, Skip shouldn't be in the team. Wendy shouldn't be in the team. Aaron's Campwell. If they're off this season, then we need to see the future for Norwich City. Now, I didn't necessarily agree with that, but I was interested to see what you thought of it. Um, because, you know, what are those alternatives? You leave Wendy out and play Dowell on the right. You drop Campwell and play Poeta on the left. You play Mumba instead of Aaron's. You play Sorensen instead of Skip. I just cannot see any chance of Daniel Farke doing that. And, Similarly, the job isn't done until they've won the title. But with someone like Buendia, 
I don't think he takes very well to being left out of the team, does he? Because he's such an enthusiastic lad. He wants to play every minute. He definitely wouldn't take kindly to me. Yeah, if he's not injured, um, yeah, I'd imagine he's probably having to kick about with his two boys tonight. <laughs> uh, so no, he, he is a man who lives for football. He loves the he loves it. You can just tell. Uh, he wants to be involved. He wants to be on the ball all the time. No, that that won't happen. That scenario, funny enough, was put to Daniel on Friday pre-match. Um, basically, will you experiment if the job is done, and if you define the job as promotion and the title, or vice or one or the other? And, and Daniel was absolutely emphatic. It was almost um, quite an insult of uh, the tone of his reply that somebody would assume that he would go down that route and uh, basically, in terms of results, just jack off the remaining three, four games, whatever it would be, um, with a view to experimentation. He won't He won't do that. He, he said he's in the business of winning or trying to win football games. To do that, he wants to use the best resource he's got available and... Certainly, Emi Buendia uh, fits that category, Acts, as does Max Aarons, as does Ollie Skip. So, no, if those players are available, um, I think what you might start to see is maybe second halves of these games. If it's, say, hypothetically, it's done a Tuesday night against Watford, then, you know, what's the issue with Mumba getting 30 minutes off the bench here or Adamida, another one to throw into the mix, not had a lot of football. Um, does Josh Martin even start to find himself back in the 18s again? I think it'll be more nuanced than, you know, suddenly Barley Mumber is Norwich's right back for the remaining games of the season or, or Dowell on the right or Poeta in the side. Um, you know, I also thought it was quite illuminating that Daniel was talk was actually, without being prompted on Friday, talking about these records that are still there and tantalisingly in reach, as Tim Krull was, you know, getting to 100 points. The, these are... Fairly rare occurrences in a in a professional's career, be it coach or, or player, um, to, to get to these levels uh, and look back on a season where you've hit 100 points or X amount of clean sheets if you're Tim Krull. And um, I think that will ensure that whether it's Daniel or whether it's the players, they will go right to the end, I think. Yes, inevitably, if it's done and dusted against Watford, the edge probably won't be in their play. The focus won't quite be the same, but... Um, and Daniel finally, all I would say is, would would probably make the point that, you know, it's that mentality, and and you need to carry a bit of momentum. And of course, they'd take the momentum of being back in the big time into the summer. But if you go into it on the back of three or four poor results, you know, draws here or maybe the odd defeat, then it's not quite how you want to bounce into a, a summer which you know, needs to be about forward momentum again. And, and obviously the focus then will switch from the pitch to the to Stuart Weber and Kieran Scott and the recruitment, but it's all the same. It's all about moving forward in a sense that the journey hasn't reached its end game, that there's another stage now and we need to go again. And I, and I think, you know, much like the Project Restart era left a major overhang in terms of this season, uh, when the ball finally kicked off again at Huddersfield, I think to a lesser extent, obviously, because... Mission has been accomplished, as the club tweeted, uh, to, to mark the promotion. You still, you know, why would you, and, and, and willingly do that, why Why would he want to run the risk of, um, you know, taking some of the, the air out of the out of the, the balloon, really, and by playing players who, let's be honest, Barley Mumba won't be a starting option in the Premier League. He's far too young, far too inexperienced. If it isn't Max Aarons, they'll have to think of another solution. Ditto Ida, ditto Martin. Uh, even I'd throw Poeta into that category, you know, one season in England. He hasn't established himself at a championship level, so it's unrealistic to expect him 
to do it in the Premier League. So, so really, what we're talking about here is with those characters is, you know, players who might be part of a Premier League squad, but not a Premier League eleven. Certainly not the start of the season. So, for me, um, no, categorically, Daniel Farker will not be experimenting to that degree. That was the argument that I came round to in the end when we had this discussion that Mumba, Sorensen, and Poheta aren't necessarily the replacement for Aaron's Skip and Campwell. If those three are not here this season, just for an example, then you've got to spend money. You've got to replace them properly because they are key players, aren't they? Um, Barley Mumba should have a good future. He may well, if he gets the opportunity, take it and become the next Max Aarons. But in the Premier League, that's difficult, isn't it? And the, the other thing, I suppose, that's just going to be nagging at people is the James Madison experience, isn't it? We all remember the 5-1 at Hillsborough when he went off and he finished the day on crutches and everyone was worried about the big money move falling through. But at the time, Norwich needed the money. At the moment, they don't need the money. And, and and as much as we maybe expect big bids to arrive for these boys, for, for Aaron's and, and Buendia in particular, Norwich don't want to sell them. If if those bids don't arrive, I'm sure Stuart Weber and Daniel Farquhar will will hope to still have them available uh, at the start of next season. But there's a lot of water to flow under the bridge. There's a lot of time for us to discuss the Premier League. We'll leave it there for now. Connor, is your sponsor to silence this week? Is that this Thursday? Yeah, much to the relief of everyone. Yeah, this Thursday. So, um <laughs> Um, luckily, I didn't time it for for a promotion or anything like that. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I think I think my girlfriend would be happy for me to take one on as well. She's she's sick of hearing about how many points behind Swansea and uh, Brentford. <laughs> so, um, Have you got it mapped out on your fridge? Various different scenarios and stuff like <laughs> yeah. That. I think she knows them all now. <laughs> doesn't care, but <laughs> um, and also for for your promotion parties for if you're enjoying the rest of the season, and we've uh, got a Spotify playlist which is called very simply the Pink and Podcasts Norwich City playlist. Uh, that's got all the uh, songs that you'd uh, imagine to uh, uh, to sort of have a bit of a promotion party. Uh, but for now, uh, thank you very much for listening. We've got loads going on. Um, I'll mention Terrace Talk now, which Connor will be recording seven o'clock Sunday evening. So you may have already uh, that may have already passed by the time you're listening to this, but that will be available on our uh, social media feeds, YouTube channel. We I think we'll put it out on on audio as well, won't we? So um, that's very much worth listening to. We've got loads of fans involved in that one, so a little bit different to this podcast. And also in print, uh, print always comes into its own a little bit at these times, doesn't it? So. Monday, the pink and inside the EDP and evening news will be a 20 pager, uh, all the usual stuff, six things, ratings, Paddy's verdict, uh, but with lots more added in as well. So a bit of a souvenir edition to keep there and a proper souvenir edition to follow later in the week. I think it's Thursday. Uh, I'm not sure how big it is, but it's a big one. Uh, our head of sport, Chris Lake, has been working away on that in the background and we've all been contributing to it as well. So uh, I think that's Thursday, again, in print, in EDP and even news. So uh, we'll make sure that we publicise that all properly. And throughout the rest of the season, really, I, I can promise you we've got lots lined up. We're, we're working away, planning lots of stuff and hopefully got lots of good interviews on the way. But for now, enjoy it. Enjoy promotion. Enjoy thinking about the Premier League. But... For now, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch up with you soon.